Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The streak is over. It's finally over. We're finally premiering a new episode after a victory, and it feels great. Six weeks went by. I had to try to put on a smile after a loss on a Monday or Tuesday night. But finally, we got a dub in the books. I get to do a new show. I'm very happy. I'm sure you all are as well. And you know, every week at the start of this new podcast, we would say, hey, we're hoping for the maximum possible points going into this week. And then I thought, all right, I'm being too greedy. We're not getting that done. Let's try something different. So I said, let's get four out of six before our last show and then they got all six and then here we are two weeks later and they got all 12 oh things are looking great everybody's getting healthy we're gonna talk about it right now as we welcome you in to the believe in avalanche podcast here on the believe podcast network my name is eric pesolano of course you can follow along with the show on twitter at believe in avs at b-l-e-a-v in avs and you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Eric underscore Pesolano. Let's talk about this team, because there's a lot of good things coming around the corner. Let me start off by saying thank you for sticking around with me. I know we had no show last week. I got a fun story surrounding that and why I wasn't able to make it. So the good news is, and you guys know that I'm located in Southern California, and I also do a little bit of play-by-play hockey on the side. Actually, I do quite a bit of it. And we finally were able to get back to play here with our Southern California teams. And it was a glorious weekend a few weekends ago out in Las Vegas covering the Anaheim Ducks High School Hockey League Vegas Spring Showdown. It was a great event. First time I put on a mic and called a game doing play-by-play in 376 days for that hockey league. So very exciting to get back. Your boy got a little over-anxious about it and was so excited to get back. That I didn't take the proper care of my voice that I normally do. I busted a vocal cord for a week. and I couldn't really speak during those seven days last week. So I kind of wanted to take care of myself. So we skipped the podcast for a week. So my apologies for not being there after those first three avalanche victories in this six-game win streak. But we're here to cover it all and go over all the awesomeness that's been going on with this team. And I know... That we're all very excited about what is going on. Let's take a look at what we're going to talk about today. Of course, we're going to do some game recaps. We're going to do it a little bit different this week in the interest of time. We're going to go over the goaltending situation with this squad. Of course, it's very shaky on the back end of the roster when it comes to goaltending, especially the backups. Front end, no problem there. So we're going to focus on the backup goaltending, of course. Team's getting healthy. That's why we are very excited going forward, of course. And then we're going to take a look at the opponents coming up in the next week. We're also debuting a little early this week, of course. Avalanche play Monday and Tuesday this week. So we wanted to get you the pod out before the week began. So hopefully you will enjoy this as we lead into the first two games coming up this week. Biggest news, though, in the Denver area, of course. April 2nd 
right around the corner, just about two weeks away. Fans are going to be allowed back at Ball Arena. It's going to be mostly frontline workers and the like. That's the way it should be. I think we're all in agreement for that. And I know the rest of us will be able to come back shortly. But it's going to be great to have fans wearing the burgundy and blue and cheering on the Avalanche and the Nuggets for that matter when they allow people back in Ball Arena. Something very excited to look forward to from my standpoint. Out here in Southern California, we're not quite allowed back yet. But it's great to see in Denver that that's right around the corner. And more importantly, and the angle that I like to come from, the concessions will be available. That's right. You can eat. Get yourself a hot dog. Get some nachos. Do what you got to do. You know, I've always said when you go to a ball game, there's nothing like getting a cold dog and a warm beer. I can't wait for that day to come again. But 4,050 fans going to be allowed inside Ball Arena for Avalanche and Nuggets games. Starting off with a smaller percentage and work our way back up as we slowly come out of this mess that we've been in for the last year plus. So let's go ahead and talk about all the games that have happened since our last episode. It's funny, I go off the air and this team goes, oh good, he's not talking about us anymore, now we can play well. Well, if that's what it took, then I'm glad to be the sacrifice. And if I have to do it again, especially when it comes to the playoffs, hey, maybe I'll yell a little bit too hard at one of the high school games in a few weeks. We'll see how that goes. Six games since we last talked to you. The first three were a little bit shaky, but they did result in Ws, and that's all that matters. Usually we go in depth with each of the games, but there were six of them, and I don't want to waste your time doing all that. We're going to talk mostly about the three most recent games that are in the books. Uh, We'll touch on the first three that happened from last week just a little bit. Of course, we know the 2-1 win over Arizona, the 2-0 win over LA, and the 4-1 win over the Kings as well to sweep that series. So it's good to see them taking care of business against the teams they need to take care of business against. We knew there was going to be a tough battle against Minnesota coming up. Wild had been playing a lot better. All right, well, maybe that didn't exactly go as planned for Minnesota, but, you know, looking at the game before it began, we knew it was going to be a statement series and they were going to have to show up from an avalanche perspective, and they did. And then, of course, the one game against Anaheim. So they start off 3-0 in these back six games that we're talking about. They go into the game against Anaheim and have the most dreadful First period, I think, that they've had the entire season giving up four goals in the frame, including that shorthanded penalty shot goal for Derek Grant. And unfortunately, that may have spelled the end for Hunter Miska this season. We'll see, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but you never know how the season's going to play out. Ducks go with those reverse retro jerseys. I got to tell you, those things are miserable. I grew up in Southern California. I watched the Ducks since their inception. There's nothing like their inaugural uniforms, but those cartoon uniforms with Wild Wing on the front, you can miss me with all that, because no, just just no. Anyway, the game started off nice. Av scored first. Andre Burakovsky put in a rebound behind Ryan Miller. It was a battle of the backups in this game, of course, but then the Ducks came back. Troy Terry was able to score. Danton Heinen scored. Who was that? It You know, it, there was a period of time there when the Avs were the get-right team. When no matter how bad you were playing, you saw them coming up on the schedule. Yeah, in the media, they made it seem like, oh, this is the team to beat. At the time, they just weren't. And you could get things going a little bit. Heinen scores. Kadri scores also to make it 2-2 in that first period. But they couldn't do much else. Henrique scored. Got his third point of the first period right off of the draw. And then that penalty shot goal happened near the end of the period. 
The Avs really got nothing going. They trailed after one, four to two. And I think once that period ended, that was the end of our suffering over the past few months. It certainly felt like it. Yes, I know they had already won three games before that. But this was a period that could have slashed all that momentum and send them in the wrong direction. And they battled through it. And they ended up putting up six consecutive goals to win the game. We saw Nate get a goal. Sam Girard throws one in off of Mahura. Belmar even got one in the empty net there at the end of the game. So big third period. Big second period too. They scored a couple times there with Ranton and Kadri. But in that third period, that's when you blow things wide open. Saad got one too at the end of the game. Av scored twice on the power play in the contest. Like I said, six in a row. Three stars of the game for this one as the Avalanche win at 8-4. to four. Go to Nazem Kadri who had four points, couple goals, couple of assists. I went with Devon Taves, three assists as my number two star. And Miko with a goal and assist. He's the number three star. Phil Grubauer now has 52 career wins with the Avalanche at this point, which is fifth most in franchise history. And for only being there a couple seasons, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. So now we come to this wild series. And boy, was it a wild series. And I'm talking about for the Avs, not so much for Minnesota, because these were two clinics that were put on by Colorado from start to finish. They scored twice in the first period of that first game. McKinnon and Rantanen both get on the board. Miko had a couple of points in that first period. Of course, the big story in this game were Kel McCarr and Bo Byram coming back into the lineup after missing some time, and it showed. And I know it was talked about on the broadcasts, not just on Altitude, but also on the NHL network of how badly they missed Kale McCarr back at the point. And it had nothing to do with his scoring abilities. Of course he's going to get on the board. He's going to rack up some points. They're not going to come as fast and furious as maybe we'd like. But boy, is that defense important. Is his skating ability along the blue line important? Keeping pucks into the offensive zone. Stopping transition opportunities and odd man rushes for the other team. These are things that didn't always get done when he was out of the lineup. And now he's back. And you can see the major difference. Second period rolls around. Rask gets that snapper and you're thinking... Minnesota might be able to crawl back into this thing. Especially, they've had the worst power play in the National Hockey League. I think they were 8.1% at the time they scored this goal. And it's funny how the little things earlier in the year, they would dig into us. And they would all go wrong. And that's where games were being lost. The little things, here and there. They wouldn't bounce Colorado's way. And even though that one didn't go Colorado's way, and of course, of course they give up a power play goal to the worst power play team in the league. But it didn't hurt them. Because that was the only time Minnesota would get on the board all day. Landeskog scores on the power play. It's 3-1 after 2. Donskoy and Rantanen both get on the board in that third period. Everybody's clicking on all cylinders. Avs put up 55 shots on goal in this game. Out shoot the Wild 55-20. to They win the game. 5-1. to one. Three stars in this one for you. Miko Rantanen, couple goals, two assists. Landeskog, goal and two assists. Nate McKinnon, that same line, goal and two assists. At this point, Avs had 142 shots on goal in the last three games, and I'm not going to get all in a huff about this whole shots on goal controversy that's going on between the Avalanche and Wild and the media. And, oh, well, are the Avs embellishing their shots on goal totals? I'll tell you what, you don't embellish... And get that wide of a margin. You just don't. You can accuse anybody of doing whatever. It doesn't mean it's true. 
You want to justify getting your tail whipped? Whatever makes you sleep better at night. I'll just leave it at that. During the Avs' five-game winning streak, outscoring their opponents 21-7. to Of course, we know the four against Anaheim in that first period. The major factor in that opponent's number being seven. But outscoring your opponents by 14 over a five-game span, that's pretty, pretty darn good. Good night for the three-headed monster. That's why they were the three stars. We move on to game two against Minnesota. Saturday matinee out at Ball Arena. This time we see Kakinen and Grubauer once again. Abs haven't lost since Nate gets back into the lineup. And right out of the gate, the Abs decide we're just going to clang some more posts. It just keeps happening. I, I don't know what's going on here. If there's a magnet inside the puck and also in the posts, I, I don't get how this is working. But they just keep ringing it off the iron. But then Kale McCarr is able to get a shot from the blue line that finds the net on the power play. So welcome back to him. Didn't score the first game back, but the second game back, he's on the board. And then Landeskog is able to knock one in off Kakinen also. The one that looked like he might have punched it in, but we saw on review, he didn't get it. He swung at it. Don't get me wrong. He tried. He tried to punch it in, but luckily for him, he didn't need to. It found its way to the back of the net anyway. And then the Avs figured they'd end the first period with another crossbar for good measure. They lead 2-0 after one, and out shooting the Wild 12-10. They were true on their only power play in the period were the Avs. Second period, Ranton in 46 seconds in. This one was funny. Look, I'm not going to hide things from you. You know how I am. I tell you how it is. I was watching the NCAA basketball tournament on Saturday, flipping back and forth between games, and I had the Avalanche feed pretty solid on one of the TVs. Yes, I said TVs. That's plural. And on the other TV, I was flipping around between the basketball games. Well, at the end of the first period for the Avs, I decided to flip over to one of the games. I flipped back a little bit late, and Rantanen had already scored. I missed it. I had to rewind and go back and see it again, but... That was the one where Phil Grubauer got the assist, and they gave one to Landeskog a little bit later in the game after a correction, so good for him to get another point, and then Tyson Jost, not but a minute and seven seconds later, gets on the board, and it's 4 nothing real quick, and it was at this point, you're thinking, we're done here. We are done here, and that's how it went. Tave scores later on in the period, it's 5 nothing after two, Nichushkin then gets himself that sweet backhander over the glove of Kakinen beating everybody to the punch, skating behind the defense to get himself a great scoring opportunity. Avs win it 6 to nothing. Phil Grubauer stops all 31 shots in the game. He's got 18 wins this season, which ties a career high in a single season for him. Also had a point. His one assist was one more point than everybody wearing the white, the green, and the red. Avs outshoot the Wild 42-31. And this was just a dominating performance from start to finish. We look at our three stars. I gave Grubauer the third star on this one just because everybody in front of him played so well. Offense was buzzing. You got to give it to them for keeping that pressure on. Number two star was Nate McKinnon with three assists. Gabe Landeskog, your number one star, a goal and two assists. He set the tone. That second goal in the first period is huge. And a notable mention goes to Kel McCarr for getting two points as well, a goal and an assist. So Avs go 6-0 and oh over the last two weeks outshooting their opponents by 133. You've got to be kidding me with that number. Miss me with all that embellishment talk. I don't want to hear it because we know it's not true. And the Avs finish up their homestand at 7-1-1. And, and be it not for a bad period and a couple of things that didn't really bounce their way, you're looking at maybe 9-0. and But, you know... 
woulda, coulda, shoulda, they didn't win those games. So 7-1-1 one, and one over that nine-game homestand. You gotta love it. They're headed out on the road for a quick two before they come back home again. But this team is absolutely on fire, and they're turning into those favorites or whatever that we thought they'd be when this year started. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Eric Pesolano. Follow along with the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. And you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Eric underscore Pesolano. You'll be able to find me. I know you can. Let's talk about the goaltending situation real quick. First off, while most of this discussion is going to center around the backup goaltending, we really need to focus on Philip Grubauer for just a second because after that six-game span, Phil Grubauer really has pushed himself into that top candidate spot for the Vezina Trophy. Can make a couple arguments for a few other guys. Really, three have separated themselves from the pack, but Philip Grubauer really pushing himself past everybody else. 1.74 goals against average right now. The best in the National Hockey League. This, of course, is going into Monday's game at Arizona. So a chance to really lower that if he gets to play in a couple of those games, or both of those games, I should say, maybe even one of two which is another big reason for this discussion. Earlier on in the year, we talked about who is the MVP of this team. And at this point, it still is the goaltender, in my opinion. It's Grubauer, but that gap is narrowing. And of course, it has nothing to do with his play. It has a lot to do with the guys in front of him who are getting healthy again, back into the lineup, and showing up night in and night out. And of course, you know, putting up 11 goals in two games against Minnesota isn't going to hurt your cause. I mean, when the offense is playing that well in front of you, it gives the defense a little bit of confidence knowing that they don't have to make a ton of plays during a game, that your best defense is going to be a very aggressive offense. And it also takes a lot of strain off your netminder, who may only have to make a few great saves during a game. Yeah, Grubauer stopped 31 of the wild shots on Saturday, all of them as a matter of fact, but didn't have to make a ton of great saves. There were a lot of shots that came in, that he was able to see, not a lot of traffic in front, a couple of light shots that came in that were easy to glove down. And when that makes up, you know, somewhere between 22 to 25 of those 31 shots, you're going to have a pretty good game. And that's exactly what he was able to do. Make your fundamental basic saves. And then when you really have to step up and make a huge stop, maybe six or seven times a game, you're going to be in pretty good shape. And even if one or two of those get through, If your team's going to go out there and put up five a night, which we know is probably not going to happen, this is an incredible run they're on right now, but if they can get to three or four a night, last time I checked, and I'm no mathematician, both three and four are higher than two. I don't know. Maybe somebody can fact check that for me, but if he lets a couple go by on a couple shots that he can't really get to, boy, look out. This team is really going to start turning into the squad that everybody thought they'd be. So that's what it's looking like at the top of the goaltending rotation right now for Colorado. It's the back end that's been the absolute problem, and we've seen only one other goaltender take between the pipes so far this year for the Avalanche, and that was Hunter Miska, who was thrown into a very difficult situation. And first off, let me just start with this. For those of you bagging on this kid and going hard on him, forcing him to get rid of his Twitter account, y'all need to knock it off, reconsider what you're doing with your life, because that's absolutely ridiculous. I've always said, you tell me it's just a game, I don't want to hear that because it's not just a game. This is life for a lot of people. But that don't mean you go out there and rip a dude because he couldn't make a few saves and just had a couple bad nights. He hasn't played in a ton of games this year. He was thrown in there because Pavel is hurt 
and he's out for who knows how long. We're still trying to figure that out. But lay off the kid. Doesn't have a ton of experience. He's going to get there. Is he there now? No. And you know what? It's probably not even close. He's not close to being where he needs to be to perform for this team, and that's why he was sent back down to the AHL. He's going to go spend more time with the Eagles, which is fine. Not everybody develops at a superstar pace. Not everybody develops at even a middle-of-the-road pack pace. It takes longer than others, and who knows? Maybe his career doesn't ever pan out. But you know what? That doesn't mean it hasn't either. And everybody goes through rough patches no matter who you are. And no matter what point of your career it's in, you're going to have a rough go of it eventually. His just happens to be coming early. Leave him alone. He's doing fine. Just not ready for the league yet. And the Avalanche realized that. Did they realize too late? No, because look what's happening now. Six-game win streak, and things are moving the way they'd hoped. A couple of bad performances by your backup goaltender who was thrust into a starting gig for a few games isn't the end of the world. So they made the move, and Adam Werner is up with the team right now. Not sure how long that's going to last, though, because we know that there's help on the way. What kind of help? We don't know. We just don't know yet. And I put the poll question up on a couple of different platforms and got some interesting responses. On Facebook, I asked how are we feeling about Jonas Johansson because we know he's going to be part of the team now. The Buffalo Sabres backup goaltender traded to the Avalanche for a sixth-round pick. And he's going to step into that backup role probably sooner rather than later. He was on a very, very bad team. I don't mean disrespect to the Sabres. They know it. They're not good. And when you don't have players in front of you playing very well and you're forced to make saves and forced to be a superstar, you're going to lose your confidence when it just doesn't happen. That could happen to anybody, and it happened with Johansson. Things weren't going well. So the Avs, rather economically, found a way to get a guy in who might be a little bit better than the guy they had right now backing up their star goaltender. And yes, Grubauer's a star now, so I don't want to hear that either. So Johansson's going to step in eventually. How soon, we don't know. Maybe against Arizona in one of these two games. It's a back-to-back Monday-Tuesday. We know that. We'll see if he gets a shot. That way Grubauer can get a night of rest because I don't think Phil can play every game for the rest of the season. That's not going to happen. With only 27 to go now, by the way, we are on the back half of the regular season schedule. The game against Minnesota on Thursday night marked the official halfway point of the regular season for Colorado. So here we go. It's the back stretch. They're chasing down Vegas, trying to get that top spot in the West. And they got a couple coming up against the Knights here very shortly. Matter of fact, after that Arizona series, the Avs head home and they've got the Knights for two. So once they come into town, that's really when you got to put your foot down. You need to get at least three points out of that series. Really no two ways about it. Force them to overtime one night and lose whatever. Win the other one. Four would be great. Without them getting any, by the way. Four points in regulation, obviously being the better of the situations there. But you got to find a way to get a backup goaltender to get into a rhythm and start performing well so your star goaltender can have some nights off. The questions I put, we'll start with Facebook. How are we feeling about Jonas Johansson? And 85% of you said give him a chance. Which is a great thing to hear, because after all the mess that was given to Miska on social media, it was nice to see everybody chiming in and saying give him a chance mind you this poll wasn't up on twitter it was up on facebook i don't know the demographics of personalities of people on those two different platforms 
But it was good to see that a majority of people said give him a chance, which is what you got to do. We don't know how you're going to perform in a change of scenery, which a lot of the times is all you really need. Just give me a different shot with a different club and see how it goes. Johansson has to be absolutely ecstatic he's on a playoff team now and not headed to the lottery again. So maybe that's a confidence boost he needed. We'll see. On Twitter, I asked the same question. How are we feeling about that trade? And I'd say about 56% of you said meh. And you know what? I'll take meh over nope or absolutely necessary any day of the week. I'd rather you be on the fence about it than completely dismissive about it because we just don't know. My personal opinion, was the trade absolutely necessary? Yes, that would have been my vote on Twitter. It is absolutely necessary. you got to get a guy in here that's a little bit better than what you had because that's how you're going to improve. The question is, do we know that he's a little bit better? Well, he's got a little bit more experience. He's played more games in the National Hockey League, albeit for a much tougher situation. Sabres aren't good. He was getting peppered with a ton of shots every night. Who knows? Maybe that makes you battle-tested. Maybe if he has less chances thrown on him, his probability of doing very well is going to increase. That's just numbers. You face less shots, you have a better chance of stopping them than facing a barrage of shots and hoping you're able to knock them all away. It's just a trend you see. I don't care if it's the NHL, I don't care if it's college, I don't care if it's high school, and I cover the high school game extensively. You can set the league record for saves in a game and save percentage in a game. But if you lost that game 8-2 to two, because the other team had 60 or 70 shots on goal, you might feel good about yourself that you were able to make some stops, but you still lost by 6. You gave up 8. You want those numbers to shrink dramatically and give the other team less chances to win. And yes, I know that sounds obvious and sounds very cliche, but it's, it's just fact. It's just a fact. Because it's numbers. <laughs> and you can't fool numbers. So if he's facing a lot less shots, we'll see if that boosts his confidence a little bit. Might start out against Arizona. Might not be a bad way to get things going. Arizona's not a bad team, but they're not a great team either. And that may be what you need. You don't want to get your confidence boosted up way too much playing a team that's not that great. And you don't want to go out and get hammered by a team that's very good to start. So maybe get a middle-of-the-road team. Kind of feel things out a little bit. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this kid's going to give up goals. He's going to give up goals. They may not be at the greatest of times. But what you need is for him to not give up a slew of goals. Letting the opposition score 4 and 5 on you every night ain't going to happen. It ain't going to fly. Because if you start doing that, you're going to find yourself in Colorado. You're going to find yourself on the waiver wire. And Joe and Jared are going to have to go out there and try to find another backup. Or at least try to fend off having a backup until Francis gets back. So give Johansson a chance. We'll see what he does. And you know what? If he fails... And if he fails miserably, leave him alone. Leave him alone on the social media, please. I know that's a tall task to ask, and I know nobody's going to listen, but hey, the least we can do is ask for some support. You are fans of this team after all. You want them to succeed? Don't bring a guy down. If he has one bad night, don't go out there and rip him after one game. Because as much as people tell you, celebrities, athletes, the like... That they don't read stuff in the media? They do. You know they do. And they're going to see it. And the second somebody comes out here and starts ripping on you, you start to feel bad about yourself and your performance might go down. You need to support these guys as a fan base. They're not going to play great every single night. That is a fact of life. But they'll play better 
and their best on more nights than not if they see the fan bases out there supporting them and telling them, hey, all right, you had a bad night, whatever, shake it off, go get them again tomorrow. Or hey, I noticed this in your game. Maybe try this technique out, see if it works for you. You all think that when you post stuff on social media, it may not have any impact and nobody sees it. But that's not the case. They'll see it. Are they going to see yours specifically? Probably not. Are they going to see the whole of the situation and everybody's tweets as a whole community showing up? Yeah, they'll see it. I'm not trying to lecture you all here on how to be a society. That's not my role. My role here is to keep you informed on this hockey team. But also, in the moment, I'm also here to be a fellow fan. And here to tell you to support the guys. Because this is a very good team. The more support they get, the better chance they have of being happier. And the better they're going to play on a nightly basis. And the best chance they're going to have to raise Lord Stanley's Cup. This team is good enough to do it. And they're getting very healthy. Everybody's coming back. Once they get to that point, this team is really going to start rolling. And they're already rolling now. And they still don't have one of their top defensemen in the lineup in Eric Johnson. They still don't have their top backup goaltender in the lineup in Pavel Frances. So it's right around the corner. They're coming. And this team could be firing all cylinders. we got to be there for them. So we'll keep it up. You're listening to the Believe in Avalanche podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Eric Pesolano. Once again, telling you to follow the show on Twitter at Believe in Avs, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. And you can go ahead and hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Eric underscore Pesolano. Let's take a look at the week ahead. Coming up on the schedule, five games between this show and our next one next week. And that's only because we're coming to you a little bit early this time around. Back-to-back for Colorado coming up Monday and Tuesday. They are in the desert against the Arizona Coyotes 4-2. Quick back-to-back before heading home. The Coyotes starting to tail off just a touch. So these are games that you need to win. Obviously, the Avs took care of business against them at the start of the six-game win streak. They'd love to keep things going as they take on the Coyotes out in the desert this time. They were in Ball Arena last time. So change of scenery, still a nice building. I don't know if you've ever been out to Gila River Arena in Glendale, Arizona. It's close to the Arizona Cardinals Stadium, about 25, 30 minutes or so outside of Phoenix. Very nice building. Got to go watch the Coyotes play there a few years ago against the San Jose Sharks back when Mike Smith was doing good things for the Coyotes and leading them to the playoffs. I say a few years ago. It was actually quite some time ago, but very nice building. Nice surrounding area as well. So two at Arizona for the Avalanche coming up here to start the week. And then they're going to have a couple against the Vegas Golden Knights. And this is where things really have to clamp down. You picked apart Minnesota. We don't know yet what will have been done against Arizona. But we do know that what you want to do is not overlook the Coyotes. That's when you can get yourself in trouble. You've won six in a row. Odds are not in your favor to keep a streak like this going. It's just not. That's how sports works. You start winning a ton in a row, you're bound to lose one or two here and there. So you have to get through the Arizona games, but not overlook the Coyotes and not just be waiting to head back home and take on the Golden Knights. Because the Knights are buzzing. So are the Avs. These are the two best teams in the West. I don't care what the standings say right now. The injury-depleted Avs are coming back. So against Vegas... That's when you really have to turn things on, but you can't overlook Arizona because if you do that, you're going to have lost two in a row or maybe lost the back end of those two going into Ball Arena against your division rivals for a year. (laughs) It's still weird to think about 
It's only going to be for this season because then after that, the Avs go back to the Central Division. And you know what? The Arizona Coyotes are going to come with them. Oh, we all forget about that, don't we? With the addition of the Seattle Kraken into the National Hockey League, realignment is upon us yet again. And the Coyotes slated to move into the Central Division to make room for Seattle joining the Pacific. But for this one year, Knights and Avs are a nice little rivalry. And they could become big-time Western Conference rivals in the near future. I mean, you're looking at a potential Western Conference Finals matchup a couple times over the next five years. Who knows? We'll see how that all shapes up. But real good chance for these two teams to be the class of the West going forward for the next few years. And for Vegas, they've been the class of the West for the lot ever since they joined the league. They really haven't ever not been the class of the West. So, Avs finally joining the fray up there. It's good to see it. Rough series against Dallas in the bubble last year with no goaltending. Uh, no disrespect to Michael Hutchinson. He did what he could. But now with Grubauer playing the way he is, got a shot. Got a shot at that cup. And I'm actually more interested to see how these playoffs are going to shape up because, you know, the first two rounds are inside your own division. After that, you're going to play one team from one of the other divisions, and then in the final, it'll be a team from one of the other two divisions. So it's a strange path to the Stanley Cup final for anybody. Two teams inside your division, and then one from each of the other two divisions, or two other divisions. We'll see how that all works out. I'm excited to see it, and hopefully it's the Avs who carry it all the way to the final. After that Vegas Golden Knights series, the two-game series in Denver, Avs will stay at home. They will see the Anaheim Ducks for just one. Had a couple one-offs against Anaheim, and this will make it game number six out of eight for these two teams, with the final two games coming at Honda Center later on in the back half of the schedule. And the Ducks got the two young kids coming in. We saw Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegers get their first career goals each in the same game. I think one of them even had to be corrected. Drysdale actually scored the goal. They thought it was tipped by Max Jones, but it actually wasn't. And Jamie Drysdale gets his first career goal. So those two friends, are they the new twins? Are they the new twins in Anaheim? Taking over for Getzlaff and Perry? Who knows, but uh, they're exciting to watch. And the Ducks trying to get things going here with the new kids, although things still aren't going well for them. Hanging out at the bottom of this Western Division. So real good chance to pick up more points there against the Anaheim Ducks. Fun week ahead for the Avalanche. See how it all pans out. Five games on the docket. So let's see, how many points am I going to wish for this week? Last time we had the show, I wished for four out of six. They ended up getting six out of six. So what is that, two-thirds of the points going into this week? Ten points available. Figure around six of ten would be two-thirds. I'm going to ask for seven. Get me 70% of the points available over this next week. I'll be a happy camper. The way they're playing, it doesn't look like it'll be too difficult. But with Vegas coming to town, that's where your tall task awaits. And real quickly, before we wrap up the show here on this week's edition of Believe in Avs, have to give a shout-out and wish a speedy recovery to Oscar Sundqvist of the St. Louis Blues Taurus ACL in the game on Friday night against the San Jose Sharks. Just a blow to the Blues. This is a kid coming up in the league who's going to be a star for years to come, going to miss the rest of the year and possibly the start, maybe first half of next year too. We know how long it is and how rough it is to recover from an ACL injury. I have not had to do it personally. My brother has done it. Uh, It's not fun. 
and it lingers. But best doctors in the world when it comes to professional sports. And hopefully Oscar's able to get back and at him before we know it. So speedy recovery, Oscar, to get back from that torn ACL. Taking a look at the standings real quick. Vegas, of course, 21-6-1. They have 43 points. Avalanche, 19-8-2 with 40 points. Although the Avalanche do have one more game played. So when you look at it that way, I always like to look at it as an extra win for the team who hasn't played that extra game yet. So if you look at it, the Avalanche being five points behind Vegas instead of three headed into this week. So you really want to take four and give them none in that series. Minnesota has 29 games played as well. They're three points behind Colorado. Same with St. Louis, although they have 31 games played. So they have two more games played than Colorado. And then Arizona, LA, San Jose, and Anaheim hanging out well below the playoff cutoff line right now. Arizona six points behind St. Louis. At the beginning of the year, we said Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota would be the four in that order. Right now, Minnesota and St. Louis are tied, but Minnesota with two less games played has the points percentage tiebreaker. But those are the four teams right now sitting in those playoff positions. We'll see how it all plays out. That's going to do it for today on Believe in Avalanche. Enjoy the five games coming up this week, Avs Nation. Hopefully, they can pick up at least seven points. That's what I'm looking for, and maybe, just maybe, by the end of the week, they'll be in first place. Follow the show at Believe in Avs on Twitter, at B-L-E-A-V in Avs. And you can also follow me at Eric underscore Pesolano on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Go Avs, go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.